Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 231. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. The dog days of summer are here. In the hottest summer on earth in recorded history, the heat across America continues to rise. And climate change-driven floodwaters continue to rise in New York and in Vermont. And so does the level of stupidity in our politics. Just like the summer heat and humidity and flooding, the stupid is also rising fast and seems to be everywhere. And this summer is definitely a time to stay vigilant. But just to be clear, you agree that white nationalists should not be serving in the U.S. military. Is that what you're saying? If, if people think that a white nationalist is a racist, I agree with that. I agree they should A white shouldn't. nationalist is someone who believes that the white race is superior to other races. Well, that, that's some people's opinion. Uh, and I don't think, that's I mean, a lot. Uh, pardon? What's your opinion? My opinion of a white nationalist, if somebody wants to call him white nationalist, to me is an American. It's an American. Now, if that white nationalist is a racist, I'm totally against anything that they want to do because I am 110% against racism. But I want somebody that's in our military, that's strong, that believes in this country, that's an American, that will fight along anybody, whether it's a man or woman, black or white, red, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, and, and so I'm a totally against identity politics. I think it's ruining this country, and I think that Democrats ought to be ashamed for how they're doing this because it's dividing this country and it's making this country weaker every day. But that, that's not identity politics. You said a white nationalist is an American. It is identity politics. You said a white nationalist <laughs> is an American, but a white nationalist is someone who, who believes horrific things. You don't, do you really think that's someone who should be serving in the military? Well, that's just a name that has been given. I mean, it's not. Listen, it's a real. It's a real definition. There's real concerns about extremism. So if you're going to do away with most white people in this country out of the military, we got huge problems. It's not. We it's got not, huge problems. It's not people who are white. It's white nationalists that have a few probably different beliefs. Right? That have that have different beliefs. Now, if racism is one of those beliefs, I'm totally against it. I am totally against racism. But, but that there's is, a lot that of people white, that believe in different things. Is racist, Senator? Well, that, that's your opinion. That's it, your opinion. But it's if it's racism, opinion. if it's racism, I'm totally against it. I am totally against any type of race, any, any type of racism. I don't care what it's in. Okay. Senator Tommy Tuberville. Tommy Tuberville of the great state of Alabama. There he is. To quote another well-known person from Alabama. Are you stupid or something? I'm as stupid as a stupid does. Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? Stupid is stupid does, Miss Blue. I guess. Are you stupid or something? Stupid is as stupid does, sir. Yes. Stupid is as stupid does. And racist is as racist does. That's why I call Tuberville Senator Redneck. He's been defending white nationalism for months now. And it keeps getting worse. This is not new. It's not a flub. It's what he believes. This man 
is not only the biggest partisan hack in the Senate, he's also the most overtly racist and the stupidest. He just keeps doubling down and showing us all who he really is. He continues to empower and enable white nationalists who are a core element of violent domestic extremists who remain the number one national security threat facing our country. White nationalism is a threat to our safety, to our military, and to the safety and well-being of peace-loving people all around the world. And Senator Redneck thinks they're cool. They're misunderstood. They're getting a bad rap because of the Democrats. Well, he's wrong. And he's an embarrassment to Alabama and to America. And he continues to hurt our military. Senator Redneck's antics continue to disrupt our Department of Defense. His shameful holds are already damaging our national security. The impact on military families is significant, especially as they prepare for a new school year and they might not know what country they'll be living in because their promotions are being held up by the senator. The current Marine Corps Commandant was required to retire on Monday, but due to a hold, Placed on hundreds of promotions by Senator Redneck, there is no confirmed replacement. So right now, the Marine Corps does not have a commandant. If this continues, other branches in the military are going to face the same kind of problem soon. Stupid is as stupid does. And racist is as racist does. And Tuberville needs to be driven out of the U.S. Senate by Republicans and Democrats. They should be able to agree on one thing, maybe. That white nationalist support is not allowable from a U.S. senator. And it's what we should all demand. It's not partisan. It's critical to our national security and to our integrity as a nation. And our enemies are celebrating. If you're not angry about this, you are definitely not paying attention this summer. So I'm glad to see that America and more of the corporate media is finally paying attention to the radical, reckless, and ridiculous behavior of Senator Redneck. Our military has been dealing with his asinine attacks for months now, and I've been covering Senator Redneck on this show for months, and I'll keep covering it on this show, because it's about our national security, because it's about the soul of our nation, and because this summer, stakes are high. As the heat continues to rise, the stakes are high this summer. And it's a time when many folks check out. They unplug, disconnect, and take a break from all the madness of news and politics. And I get that. I did it myself last week. And damn, it was needed. Time on the beach with my family is better than almost any medicine. As my mentor Les Gelb used to say, take vacation or you get stupid. Maybe that's what happened to Tuberville. Well, regardless, summer is the time to do it. But in trying times like these, summer is also a time when you want to stay on top of things in a way that's easy and fun. And that's always what I've tried to make this show, an easy focused, and fun way to help you stay on top of the most important things happening in our crazy world. Without the bullshit and partisanship you get from other corporate, cable, and partisan media. In a way that always keeps it real. 
and keeps it independent and keeps it forward-looking. I want to focus on not just what's happening now out in the open, but what's happening below the waterline and what's happening next. Always with a special and unique focus on national security, global affairs, veterans and first responders issues, and of course, the politics of our independent movement. So as the summer steam continues to rise, from the mountains to the subways, here's a few quick bogeys to keep on your summer radar. As you may or may not know, I grew up just north of New York City. And I went to high school across the river from my house in a little town just outside of West Point called Highland Falls, New York. And what's happened to Highland Falls, New York, West Point, and many areas of the Hudson Valley in New York, and now across Vermont, another place I love, is devastating. Tremendous, destructive, deadly flooding. And this is not normal. So please, if you're in those areas or this sort of thing happens, heed the public warnings. And in the meantime, send any support you can and back our local first responders and groups like Team Rubicon that are on the way. You've heard about Team Rubicon and Jake on this show. They run in when others are running out. But every crisis is an opportunity. And this is a terrible crisis. But it's also an opportunity for people to come together from all backgrounds, and to help. And I'll have more coming up in our helper section later about one inspiring helper in particular who stepped up that I've known for over 30 years. To all my friends on the ground, especially in Highland Falls, stay strong this summer. We've got your back. And speaking of staying strong, you can be damn sure that the Ukrainians are. This summer, this fall, this winter, and in every season. And throughout this Independence Day month, the Ukrainians continue to show the entire world, and especially America, what it means to fight for your independence in 2023. The annual NATO summit is happening this week in Vilnius, Lithuania, a place I've actually been. And there's a lot of news coming out of that summit. Number one, Sweden is in for NATO, which is excellent, overdue, and a huge addition to the critical alliance. But the other side of the coin is that Ukraine is not. NATO allies did adopt a big three-part support package for Ukraine, which includes removing the requirement to undergo the membership action plan for NATO. And there's lots of weapons and other support going in, but still not membership. And this week, Zelensky met with NATO leaders, including President Biden. And right before the meeting, the Pentagon announced $800 million in a new aid package for Ukraine, which will include cluster munitions. But still, no admission to NATO. But the new package is going to have cluster munitions, armored vehicles, and lots more ammunition, which is what they need. They also need to stop playing this silly game of Mother May I, where every couple of weeks they have to ask for another installment. I've talked about it on this show. We need to pour it on. And Biden needs to let the floodgates go. It's long past time 
to stop this never-ending game of Mother May I and give Ukraine everything they need to win, including NATO membership. And related to Ukraine in a way that is way below the radar this summer, Americans continue to die in the fight for Ukraine's freedom, including a Marine veteran. And Task and Purpose had the story. Ian Frank Tortorici was killed in a recent Russian missile strike on a restaurant in Ukraine, and his father, John Frank, spoke to Task and Purpose. In the last message that Frank got from his son, Tortorici wrote that he was on leave in Kramatorsk, Ukraine, after his nine-man team had taken a trench from 20 Russians. Tortorici also wrote that he expected to return to the front lines after a couple days of rest. But on June 27th, a Russian missile struck a crowded restaurant in the Ukrainian city of Kramatorsk, killing Todorichi and 12 other people. His dad spoke out about it, and he said, I was told he fought on every front for 15 months and was never injured with the exception of one concussion. After Bakhmut, there were only five of the 16 from his original team who did not leave, killed, or were wounded, and he told me he would not leave until the war was over. His dad continued, He was not a mercenary, but a contracted member of the Ukrainian army with the International Legion and a U.S. flag over his heart. He was a U.S. Marine, a park ranger, and an ICE agent, a son, a brother, and an uncle, and he gave up a lucrative and comfortable life to prevent World War III. His father continued, He experienced a lifetime of death and horrors but chose to stay. He loved his team, his girlfriend, and Ukraine. He was the most selfless, bravest, kindest, unassuming, and off-center person on the planet and hated for anyone to know it. He also asked his father not to make a fuss if anything happened to him. But his father felt the need to pay tribute to his fallen son. And I feel the same way. We'll do that for Todorici. And we'll continue to do that on this show for the fallen in Ukraine, and especially for the fallen Americans that get so little coverage from most of the American media. More than a dozen Americans have died in Ukraine since Russia launched its invasion in February of 2022. The State Department says they don't have an exact number of Americans who've been killed in Ukraine. But we know that Todorichi is one of at least five Marines that have been killed in Ukraine, including former Sergeant Cooper Harris Andrews, retired Marine Captain Grady Karpazi, Pete Reed, and Willie Joseph Cancel. Tortorici's brother Anthony wrote, To this day, I still don't fully understand why he felt the need to defend a country that wasn't his home. All I know is he had a warrior spirit and, like all warriors, answered the call. We never know when our final hour is upon us. All we can do is live our lives on our terms. And my brother did just that. I'm proud of you, Ian. I'm happy for the life you lived. I will honor your memory and look after our family. Ian did it his way. And that's what it's all about. And one more tough item hardly covered anywhere else beyond this podcast. You probably didn't see it, but last week, 
a U.S. drone strike killed an ISIS leader in eastern Syria. And right after that, the Pentagon said that it launched airstrikes overnight in Somalia, killing 10 al-Shabaab fighters. The announcements were made in just a couple of hours of each other. So yes, kids, America is still at war. In Syria, in Somalia, and in other places around the world in the forever war. One that continues to take lives and require risk. Risk that only those taking it, and their families, can truly understand. Something that Senator Redneck truly fails to understand. Because in addition to his latest crazy racist comments, he also said this this week. And uh, so it's, it, it's a tough situation. And there's nobody more military than me, Caitlin. Uh, my dad was military, uh, career military. I'm all for the military. We need a strong military. What does that even mean? Senator Tammy Duckworth, Senator Mark Kelly, Senator Jack Reed, Senator Joni Ernst, Senator Tom Cotton, Senator Lindsey Graham, Senator Jay-Z Vance, and a number of other senators who were actually veterans, some who were still in the reserves, might disagree with Senator Redneck on that one. But nevertheless, this summer, Tuberville's antics continue and continue to disrupt our military. Because Tuberville understands the military like the PGA understands 9-11, and like Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson understands 9-11. Check this out. Do you have an issue with Saudi money being used uh, to, to have either a partnership or an ownership of the PGA Tour? Do you have a problem with that? Well, listen, I have the deepest sympathy for the 9-11 families. I, I understand the issue of sports washing. I don't think there's any bill, there's not enough billions of dollars for the Saudis to wash away the stain of the brutal Khashoggi murder. Um, but the reality is, you know, we all buy oil. We use, uh, you know, we drive cars. You know, we, we are the ones that are filling up the coffers of the public investment fund. I would rather have their, them, you know, the Saudis invest their oil wealth in the U.S. as opposed to China or Russia. That's just the reality of the world. Um, and again, you know, I'm a, I'm a lover of the game of golf. I love watching golf. I want to see the best golf golfers in the world compete against each other and not be split into different leagues and pretty well destroy the, the competition at the highest level. Now, is that a pathetic response from a member of the U.S. Senate or what? Senator Ron Johnson, shame on you. Anyone who starts with, I have the deepest sympathies for 9-11 families, but lacks integrity and shouldn't be in the Senate. But the PGA should be in front of the Senate. And this week, they finally were. There were hearings before the Senate led by Connecticut Senator Richard Blumenthal. Good in the Senate for having these hearings. And even more shame on Liv for hiding from testifying. They said they had a scheduling conflict and couldn't make it. But the PGA was there. And Congress and the president need to explore all options to block this deal or shut down the PGA in the U.S. It's bigger than golf. It's a matter of national security and integrity. And Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, and anyone else still associated with the PGA and live golf should leave. And there are examples, like Randall Stevenson. He just left the board of the PGA. The former AT&T chairman resigned from the PGA Tour's policy board over concerns about the proposed partnership with the Saudi National Wealth Fund. It was in the Washington Post this week. The rest of the board should follow Randall Stevenson's lead and leave. 
the players too. Start your own new league. And if you're still not sure, listen to our old friend Rob Sarah, who's been on this show before. You heard him here. He's a 9-11 first responder, and his father-in-law was killed in one of the towers. Rob Sarah understandably doesn't care about your love for golf or your flimsy excuses. He's got integrity. He was there on 9-11. He wasn't comfortably behind a desk in D.C. or playing on some fancy golf course. So Senator Ron Johnson, and all of you who are still inside the PGA, yes, all of you, you get the award this week. I drive really slow in the ultra-fast lane while people behind me are going insane. I'm on a Just like the summer heat and the unprecedented flooding and baseball's TV ratings and the dangers of e-scooters, I tried to warn you people, the stupid continues to rise, especially in Alabama and especially in Washington. Washington in July is like a Major League Baseball all-star game of stupid, and the stupid is continuing to rise, like demand from teams all across America to sign Shohei Otani. But so is the thirst for moderates in politics, the need for new leaders, the hunger for centrists, the craving for independence. July 4th feels long gone now, but it is still Independence Day month, and the rise of independent Americans continues. The fragmentation of our politics continues, and so does the rise of independent Americans. This week, in Nevada, the Secretary of State announced an increase of 6,900 active registered voters just from May to June. And the increase was heavily concentrated among nonpartisan voters, who are now about 4,500 active registered voters away from overtaking the Democratic Party as the largest group of voters in purple Nevada. Last month also saw the number of active registered Democrats decline by 779, while Republicans gained 278. But independents are rising in number as fast as the global heat index this summer, but without the dangers to your insurance rate or your basement. We are now the majority in America and growing fast. The largest political party in America is no party at all. Leave the herds. Declare your independence. We say it all the time. Because like an army of big-ass fans and super air conditioners or a National Guard brigade's worth of sandbags, the independent movement is continuing to rise to meet the threats this summer. All across America, we're seeing the winds of political change blow, attempting to cool the destructive and deadly heat of our politics. They're a cooling and refreshing wave a frosty lemonade, beer, or Slurpee that continues to chill the scorching heat of the stupid and press for overdue structural change that will protect and improve our democracy. Refreshing change, like open primaries and ranked choice voting. But just as important, we're seeing a new generation of cool, independent leaders stepping up to stay frosty, face the heat, and hold the floodwaters 
And like the modern-day Moseses of political disruption and refreshment, they're parting the seas and showing us all a path forward. Leaders like the newly elected independent mayor of Colorado Springs, Yemi Mobilati, who you heard on this show just three episodes ago. If you didn't hear it, definitely go back and check it out. But our independent movement is growing. And there are some very cool new organizations, new leaders, new strategies, and new ideas that are rising up to meet this moment for America. But there are also some more experienced ones, too. And you're going to hear from one in a minute. The idea of American independence is not a new one. It's actually a great American summer classic. Independence is what this nation was founded on. It's the spirit of our national brand. It was what General, then President George Washington, was all about. It's where we started, before our political landscape degraded into the dysfunction and dangerous two-party duopoly that we have now. And in his farewell address in 1796, Washington warned us about the dangers of political parties. He was 64 years old, very old for that time. His body was banged up from years of combat, painful dentures, nothing even close to air conditioning, and he decided he would not seek a third term. And he drafted a farewell address to the American people with the help of his longtime friend and protege, Alexander Hamilton. It was just over 7,000 words, and in it, our nation's first president and founding father called on the American people to be unified, to resist the rise of political factions, and to beware the influence of foreign powers. Washington warned a young America to stay vigilant, in a message that is as important and powerful now as it was then. He warned that the worst enemy of government was loyalty to party over nation. He warned that one of the top risks of letting regional loyalties dominate loyalty to the nation as a whole was that it would lead to factionalism, a division of the country by region, or the development of warring political parties. George Washington feared that when Americans voted by party loyalty, rather than the common interest of the nation, it would foster what he called a spirit of revenge. Here are his exact words. He warned, They are likely, in the course of time and things, to become potent engines, by which cunning Ambitious and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and to usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. And Hamilton doubled down and said himself that parties were, quote, the most fatal disease of popular governments. They were right then and they are right now. Independence is not a new thing. It's an old thing, an essential thing, maybe the most essential thing. And the old is new again, because the old is eternal. Independence is eternal. And we've seen that classic take many forms in America, from George Washington to Ross Perot to Jesse Ventura to Yemi Mobilati. And in the Senate in 2006 when a former candidate for vice president from one of the two major parties left the party to run for Senate and win as an independent. He decided to go it alone, to do it his way. I 
And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case Of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full and he is our guest in this episode. He's Senator Joe Lieberman. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. Joseph Isidore Lieberman was born on February 24, 1942. He served as a U.S. Senator from Connecticut from 1983 to 2013. He was the nominee for VP of the United States back in the 2000 presidential election. And during his final term in office, he was officially listed as an independent Democrat, although he caucused with and chaired committees for the Democratic Party. He gave a speech at the 2008 Republican National Convention, in which he endorsed his friend John McCain for president. But he kept his chairmanship of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, and he announced that he would continue to caucus with the Democrats. Before the 2016 election, he endorsed Hillary Clinton for president, and in 2020, he endorsed Joe Biden. Joe Lieberman's been a fixture on our political landscape for a generation. He's been popular. He's been controversial. He's been a Democrat, he's endorsed Republicans, and he's been independent in his own distinct and unique way. And now... He's continuing down an independent path as the founding co-chair of a group called No Labels, a group that says it wants to create something that they're calling an insurance policy to give Americans an alternative if the candidates end up being Trump and Biden. They say they're creating a so-called unity ticket that would have a Republican and a Democrat together as an alternative. But they haven't told us who those people are going to be, which is one of my big issues with the whole thing. And then, just in the last 24 hours, the group has announced that Joe Manchin has been added to the team. Senator Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West Virginia, plans to headline an event in New Hampshire next week sponsored by No Labels. Of course, stoking speculation that he could be No Labels' selection as the third-party candidate, something that many people fear will damage President Biden uniquely. Manchin is scheduled to appear at a town hall alongside former Utah governor and Republican John Huntsman. This could be No Label's potential unity ticket, although the organizers say no decision has been made. Now, I've met with some leaders of the group over the last couple of months. I've read their materials and their briefings, and I even met with their founder, Nancy Jacobson, a few weeks ago. And I heard her out, and I told her my candid thoughts on all this, to include telling her straight to her face not to pick Manchin that it would be a mistake and not something that would attract me or many other independent Americans. I don't know what they're going to do. And as I've said on this show, and I've said to them directly, 
I get what they're trying to do, but they haven't sold me on the idea yet. And as you'll hear, I said the same thing to Senator Lieberman, who I challenged to sell me and to sell you on his no labels plan. And we'll see how he does. But this is a conversation that is at the top of the independent movement, but now also at the top of the presidential political headlines. Because independents are the future of American politics. We explore it in almost every episode on this show. And No Labels and Senator Lieberman want to capture that. They want to capture me. They want to capture you. Well, let's see how he does. Welcome to a discussion about what it means to be truly independent. Welcome to a conversation about the 2024 presidential election and our critical role in it as independents. And welcome to a conversation with another leader from another group that wants your vote, wants your support, wants your independence, wants you to come their way. It's all heating up this season. Welcome to the Summer of Independence. Welcome to Independent Americans, Episode 231. gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world. I hope you had a great Independence Day week. We are back at it with a very important, inspiring, and iconic guest, a man who definitely knows a thing or two about the landscape facing independence, a man I have been uh, honored to know for many years now uh, from my time at IAVA. Uh, I am very proud to welcome to the program the great and powerful Senator Joe Lieberman. Welcome to Independent Americans, sir. Uh, hey, Paul, thank you. Thanks for that introduction. That, that itself was worth coming on for. <laughs> but but uh, uh, seriously, thanks for your kind words. Thanks for uh, all your service to our country in uniform and uh, out, uh, including uh, this uh, uh, program. Uh, it's really great to be on. Uh, and I think you're, you're touching with uh, their focus on independent Americans in a political sense. Uh, and what you know, Paul, is, uh, as I like to say, the fastest growing party in America. It's not the Republicans, it's not the Democrats, it is the independents. By one recent self uh, uh, poll of how do you identify yourself, 49% said they were independents. And that was more than the uh, Republicans and Democrats put together. You may ask me, how could 49% be more than the others? There was actually a couple of percent that weren't sure what they were. And so that's that's how it happened. 
But anyway, great to be with you, and I look forward to our conversation. It's great to see you. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of time together on the Hill over the years right. working on veterans issues like the GI Bill and VA reform and so many other things. Worked closely with your good friend, Senator John McCain, who, whose voice I think we really miss right now, especially on national sure. security issues. You know, I, I want to get to that. I want to talk about no labels. Uh, I want to talk about th this landscape that you've really been ahead of in, in many ways. Um, but I want to start with a question that we ask everyone. Where are you, sir? And how are you? <laughs> uh, I, uh, first of all, uh, thank God I'm good, uh, uh, feel good, and, uh, you know, my wife is good. We just celebrated our 40th anniversary in, um, in March, and, um, you know, we've been blessed. Uh, this is our second marriage for both of us. We've been blessed for, with four children and now 13 grandchildren. Um, uh, three of our kids live right here around Riverdale, New York, which is where we are now, and we're here because they're here, and uh, uh, some of our grandkids are here too. So uh, we got a lot to be grateful for, and I stay busy. It's my nature. Every now and then, my wife will say to me, "Hey, I thought you retired," and I say, "No, nah, I just retired from the Senate. I didn't retire." So uh, you know, thank God I'm able to keep active in a lot of things that matter to me, and hopefully try to do a little good. Anyway, that's where I am and how I am. Well, I'm just a bit south down in, in Battery Park at the other end of, of, of uh, the city. Uh, uh, um, and and hopefully, we can, yeah, we can do, hopefully we can do this in person next time. But, sir, you've always been, a, you know, a voice of, of, of compromise, of reason, of, uh, of unity. You know, it's well documented. You know, your change to, to uh, an independent status as a Democrat independent and running again as the Senate, working across partisan lines. I, I want to ask you something that's at the top of the news that we've been covering on this show, frankly, before everyone else has, you know, the the the, the unity and, and the friendship that I think we saw during your time in the Senate seems to be gone, especially across partisan lines. And 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 the uh, the weaponization almost of, of Senate seats is, is, in my view, unprecedented. And in particular, we've covered Senator Tuberville, who's now, you know, blocking hundreds of, of promotions at the Department of Defense in this crusade, in my view, a very extreme political crusade uh, and, and a tactic that we've never really seen before. He's blocking the, the commandant of, of the Marine Corps, critical positions. Can I ask you to react to that specifically? And frankly, you know, yesterday he was on TV talking about white nationalism. And I think you can't, you can't mince words here. He's defending white nationalism. You've got a U.S. senator who's defending white nationalism, uh, and, and as a very high-profile Jewish leader, I, I ask you, you know, how do you respond to, to, first of all, what Senator Tuberville is doing to our military, and secondly, what he's saying about welcoming white nationalists into the military? Oh, uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be glad to, and I can come back to how I ended up as an independent, but Please. Uh, I, I met uh, uh, Senator Tuberville on a a trip to with uh, John McCain was actually still alive uh, to the Munich Security Conference, which John and I went to all for uh, since the 90s. And uh, even after I left the Senate, he used to invite me on the plane with them. I, I will tell you, John's sense of humor, he would, uh, we'd be meeting with, you know, the president or prime minister of some other country. And um, uh, at, the, at the sessions in Munich, he'd go around the room introducing the senators who were there then, 
And he said, uh, you may remember Prime Minister Lieberman, Senator Lieberman, former uh, Prime Minister, Senator Lieberman, former Senator, uh, we're just very grateful to the administrators of his nursing home for letting him join us. <laughs> that was this weekend. That was McCain. Yep, that's uh, McCain. Yep. Now, why do I talk about this? Because uh, uh, when I met Tommy Tuberville, I, uh, I was with McCain, and I said, well, Senator, great to meet you. Welcome to the Senate. And John said, oh, no, he doesn't want to be called Senator. He wants to be called Coach, because, you know, he was the Alabama coach. Anyway, uh, I think the coach has gotten himself into uh, two jams with both of these positions you talk about. Oh, oh okay. He's against um, the policy that the Pentagon announced that if you're military personnel and you're uh, stationed in a state uh, where you can't get an abortion under the uh, post Roe versus Wade, yep. uh, the military, obviously you're a woman, if the military will pay for you to go to the nearest state uh, where, where you can have an abortion if that's what you want to do. Uh, and uh, uh, coaches, uh, Tuberville is against that. So, okay, there's a lot of ways to be be against them. The, the most, in, in the good old days, uh, senators uh, didn't block a lot of unrelated stuff like uh, confirmation of important uh, military personnel like the Commandant of the Marine Corps, uh, but they'd introduce an amendment on the floor as part of the Defense Authorization Bill to uh, uh, rescind this policy and let the Senate vote. That's the way our systems are supposed to work. So I, I, I think it's typical of the way the system is broken down. Look, there were always occasional filibusters, but honestly, most of the time when somebody in the Senate had a gripe, uh, something really bothering them, it, it was worked out that they could bring it up on the floor uh, in an amendment or a bill, even if they can get it out of committee. And and then the Senate would work its will and then go to the House and the president would have to say, that's the way the Constitution says the system works. So I, I respectfully think that what uh, Senator Tuberville is doing now is just bad for our military, even though he says it's not. Um, I, on the second question, I saw briefly the exchange in that interview on TV last night is when I saw it. Oh, and I think uh, uh, the coach got himself into a jam. In a way, he didn't see it coming, but boy, you can't say that, uh, I, I, which if I got it, he was saying, um, well, you know, I just uh, they, the white nationalists have a, a difference of opinion, but if they're racist, then I disagree with them. But if you're a white nationalist, you are a racist. Right. And by definition, that's what the and the name of it is, and uh, so I I hope he uh, I hope he changes his position on both of these. It's kind of stubborn on the on the uh, holding up the confirmations. My guess is that um, most of the Republicans in the Senate, including uh, the leader Mitch McConnell, are really urging him. Uh, to, to let it go and let the military nominations be confirmed by the Senate. I think on the other one, um, just for his own integrity and, and credibility as a senator, he's got to say, I'm, I'm human, I made a mistake. I, I don't support white nationalism at all.
Well, he's he's digging in, sir. And I, I've, I've called him Senator Redneck yeah. because it sounds so out of touch. The way he talks and the consistency and how he doubles down, he sounds like he's recruiting for the Army of the Confederacy, you know, and, and rather than yeah. the military of 2023. So I, I ask you, as we'll bridge into the conversation about no labels, but I think this is an example of, of the frustration that many independents have right now. You see that the, the, the Republicans who are doing something that is clearly wrong, is clearly damaging, is clearly out of touch with the country. And you see the Democrats failing to do anything about it, right? So you've got the Republicans who are not censoring their own. You've got the Democrats who seem weak. So it often feels like the Republicans are wrong and the Democrats are wimps. And, and, and many independents are, are left asking, what do we do here? If he doesn't come to his senses, if he doesn't change his opinion, are we going to be okay with a U.S. senator blocking our military? Putin loves this. Putin and, and our enemies love this. I, I agree. What, 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 what are we going to do here? Who's going to be the leader who takes action and does something about this? Yeah, that's a really important question, Paul. And, you know, what we normally talk about when we talk about the way uh, our system in Washington has broken down from the way uh, the Constitution intended it to work and the way it worked more or less for most of our history, but it hasn't in the last couple of decades. We talk about the increasing partisanship, the, the uh, failure of people to talk to each other respectfully, to negotiate a bill, to compromise. I mean, I, I, um, I, I call this centrism, and frankly, and you might call it independence, I uh, distinguish it from moderation because a centrist or an independent can be a little to the left, a little to the right, or maybe a lot to the left and a lot to the right, don't want to join a political party. But the difference is they're willing to come to the center and meet with people about a given issue who disagree with them, talk it through, compromise, and get something done for the country. You never get 100% in a great democracy like ours. We're too diverse a group. Incidentally, Two of the great centrists that I knew in my time in the Senate were, one was a liberal, one was a, a conservative. The conservative was our, our dear buddy friend, John McCain, but he, he was always willing to come to the center and negotiate. The liberal, who was really quite liberal, was Teddy Kennedy. But if you look at, Teddy, if you look at Teddy's record, uh, he, would, he would compromise on his committee, particularly with real conservatives like Orrin Hatch and uh, Mike Enzi uh, and Judd Gregg, and they get, get get things done. So that's one part of it. But you're watching in the Tommy Tuberville case uh, another, which is that um, individual senators uh, just stand up and stop the whole thing. Uh, you know, I haven't thought about it, and that's unacceptable. Really, it's frustrating. The majority and uh, I haven't thought this through from a parliamentary procedure point of view, but honestly, there's got to be a way in which the two leaders, Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell, can get together and say, hey, we're not going to allow this anymore. It was the first time in 100 years we haven't had a Senate-confirmed commandant of the U.S. Marine Corps, and that's unacceptable. And uh, there's got to be a, what I'm saying is there's got to be a parliamentary way to force those nominations to the floor. It's time to stop deferring to one senator out of 100 for his own reasons uh, for blocking uh, important work from being done. Well, I, 
I hope they can find a way. I know they haven't removed the senator since the Civil War or something like that. Censure has been very unusual, but these are unusual sure. times. It feels like so often our rules were meant for the, the last game and, and not the current game. You know, the old saying that the military was built to fight the last war, not the next war. Right. That's what it feels like. It feels like our system is broken and incapable of dealing with radicalism on, on both sides. And, and maybe that brings us back to the conversation about no labels. We've covered it on this show. I understand the upsides. I've been critical of parts of it. And I think what I want to really try to pull apart is um, I'm an independent, right? I'm part of that group that could potentially right. be attracted to this no labels effort. And, and my, I met recently with Nancy Jacobson and I shared some of my concerns. I've talked to members of your team. I've been right. in discussion in public and I really want to drill down on what I think is maybe the biggest challenge I've got, right? You're selling right. a black box. You're saying, like, we've got this great idea, but we can't tell you what's inside. And yeah. we're going to tell you later. Right. And I think that's where people have the most concern beyond the partisanship, beyond the attacks on the organization. I've said before, it's like you're saying we're going to draft a quarterback, but we're not going to tell you until draft night which quarterback we're drafting. So right. especially for independents who are looking for a commander in chief. We want to know who's it going to be, and is it going to be a Republican or a Democrat, or is it going to be someone who's authentically independent? Because that's what I really see as an independent. A lot of folks changed jerseys recently. Used to be Democrats, used to be Republicans, but there's a new generation like Mayor Bombalati that we've had on this show that were never either side. So I'm left looking for who are the independents? Is it going to be, is your candidate going to be Joe Manchin with an 11% approval rating? Is it going to be The Rock? who could change everything? Or is it going to be someone like Admiral McRaven, who maybe has a shot if you execute this plan? So that's a lot to throw at you, but, but, I, but I hope you understand. I'm left saying, why can I support this when I don't know what it is? It often feels like, I said this to Nancy Jacobson, I think, um, it feels like you all are saying, we're going to in invade Iraq, and we'll tell you what we're going to do with Baghdad when we get there. <laughs> so right. until I see more meat on the bone, I'm left saying, who's your, who's your guy or gal? Yeah, no, I got it. It's a reasonable question. So yeah, here, here's why uh, it's not a black box, and here's why uh, we don't know who we're going to run or, frankly, if we're going to run. But uh, if you want to know what our goals are, look at the uh, dozen years of No Labels. No Labels was formed uh, uh, to try to give voice to the, the independents in, in America who don't, uh, who increasingly, uh, have not been represented by the two major parties, which have been dominated uh, by what you're, I'm going to use your word, because it's a good word, the radical fringes of both parties. And, and the majority of the American people who are independent uh, are, even if they're registered Democrats and Republicans, uh, you can count them, they're independent. Uh, they, they haven't been uh, represented for a lot of reasons, gerrymandering, money in politics, partisan media. We can talk about that for another time. So we formed no labels and we focused on Congress and uh, presenting ideas which we thought had bipartisan support for ways to solve problems, um, um, trying to bring uh, Republicans and Democrats together first in each chamber, House and Senate, then from both chambers. Believe me, uh, and I can tell you this from my time in the Senate, uh, toward the end of my 24 years, there was very little interaction, socially, politically, whatever, 
between the Republicans and Democrats. I mean, the thing was divided. One of the reasons John McCain and I developed such a friendship is that we were on the Armed Services Committee together. Uh, even though we disagreed a lot on domestic policy, we were almost in total agreement on, on defense and foreign policy. And we traveled a lot together, mostly to visit our troops. And uh, you're on a plane for hours, you know, you start talking to somebody, you know what matters to them, you know what makes them laugh, you know, the whole story. So uh, that that has not been happening. Anyway, we did that. And then we decided, look, a lot of these members of Congress and people running, um, they're not stepping out and doing what they think is right to get letting themselves be pushed around by their parties or by interest groups, ideological or economic interest groups, uh, because they're worried about not receiving campaign contributions in the next campaign. So we started to raise money for what we called centrist or independent Republicans and Democrats. And lo and behold, we, uh, we, we helped elect a number, enough of them that they came together in the House Problem Solvers Caucus in the Senate, 60 members, 30 of each party and about 10 or 12 in the Senate, again, half from each party. And, you know, they've been responsible for uh, some of the few accomplishments of the last uh, four or five years under Trump and Biden, a bipartisan infrastructure bill, some of the COVID response bills that were, were, were boxed up, some of the uh, economic recovery bills. Anyway, that's who we are. And all of a sudden now, our members have said, you know, wow, it looks like it's Trump and Biden again in 2024. Where, where's Where's the independent vote? We don't have an option there. And uh, we want something different. We want to change. So here's the problem that these two, what you understand, see as the black box. Uh, the, the two parties have managed to create a system where if you want to run a third ticket, you got to qualify for the ballot in all 50 states. <laughs> that ain't easy. So we had to raise a fair amount of money. We have people out working. And we're doing pretty well at getting on the ballots. And uh, we have said that the reason we're waiting, and, and I know what you're saying, the ticket is the black box. Truth is, we don't know who the heck will be on I know. ticket. I, under, and, I understand and, uh, that. Can, can I ask you, though? Can let me just say we can't please, decide until please. we know who the Republicans and Democrats nominate. We probably won't know that till next March. But we'll be ready with some alternatives and then we're going to hold a convention in Dallas uh, in April. And uh, then people will see who we nominate if we do. It's going to be bipartisan. That'll be unusual bipartisan ticket. Frankly, all the names that you mentioned, uh, um, uh, Manchin, uh, The Rock, I forgot who the third one was. Admiral um, McRaven. Admiral McRaven, all on the list of potentials. And uh, each of them in their own way would bring strengths that neither Trump nor Biden bring. So uh, the box will not be black by the time. Well, you'll, I under have, you'll have five or six months if we do this to decide whether we got a ticket that you want to support. Well, right now, it's a very high profile, very expensive box. Right. And, and I understand mm -hmm. the tactical execution that is necessary. I think many of us do. But I'm still always left with. Who are the real independents, right? That that's really, we, you know, Ross Perot wasn't elected as a concept. It was a real, per, uh, wasn't wasn't running as a concept. He was a real right. person, 
And I right. think that's really what we're looking for is an authenticity and maybe not just centrism, but none of the above. Someone that is that is truly an outsider candidate, someone that we can trust to be independent and not just opportunistic. I know you have elected centrists, but the reality is you've elected Democrats and Republicans. You've supported right. Democrats and Republicans. And I'm like many who think there is a new generation of people who have never been Democrats and Republicans who don't right. want to play that game. And, and maybe the military, I use this as an example, is a place where someone like Admiral Stravides or Admiral Mullen can transcend this and rebrand what independents are, because I don't think Andrew Yang or Christy Todd Whitman are the spirit animals of the truly independent people out there, right? It's someone that- I I totally agree with you. I think that's a really important uh, insight. And, um, you know, as we go forward, we're going to form a nominating committee. We're going to consider people but uh, part of the, and that's why people like the three you mentioned, I know well and just respect them all. McCraven and Stavridis and Mullen. Uh, I think any one of those could could be commander in chief, and not just in a military sense because of their background, could really lead the country. It would be different. And uh, you know, we've had obviously some great military leaders as president, great Ulysses Grant and Eisenhower in more modern times. So, you know, maybe that's the way we go. I, I want us to be really unconventional. There's a natural way in which we may uh, drift to, uh, some people may want us to drift to elected officials, current ones who have been centrists. But I, I think we got to really open up and it'll be fresh to have a bipartisan unity ticket. Yep. But even better if we got somebody from the outside. Look, that's it. I, mean, I think that I honestly think that's a better that's a better pitch to independence is yeah. hey, here's an actual independent, right? Because there's a lot of folks I don't think who understand independence. We you know we don't think that the alternative uh, to the two party system is another party. That's why they're not joining forward, right? They they right. want to be lone wolves. They want to be fought for. They want to be truly independent and above parties. So I think anybody who has any kind of party baggage. Respect to you, but yourself included, right? When we see who's in it now, it's you and Larry Hogan. So we think, is it going to be one of those guys or are they going to be able to get Admiral Stravides? Are they going to be able to attract The Rock or something else? But in the meantime, I think many of us are left with looking for the truly independent voices and hoping that you'll support them. So I hope that wherever this ends up, if you do decide to fold it down, I've asked some of the leadership and I'll ask you as well. I hope you'll designate some of that resources, some of that infrastructure to independent candidates. And I would say independent veterans. I think they represent independence better than anyone. And they kind of can rebrand independence beyond being spoilers, beyond being crazy, kooky people. They can represent a future of leadership. And, and I just hope you all will support that, especially if you decide to fold it up. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. And, and I agree with you. I think you're making some really important points. Look, as you know, Paul, one of the interesting things that probably hasn't been noted enough that's happened in the last few congressional cycles is that we've had some veterans and some former uh, members of the intelligence community who have run for the House and Senate and won. And they're making a great contribution. Uh, and, and frankly, we need uh, more of that. And I think part of why they got elected was that they had the integrity and the uh, record of patriotism, the patriotism that comes from having served the country and, and the public uh, 
independence, <laughs> really looking for that and public officials instead of just just an, another politician who's looking to go to Washington, if you know what I mean. Sir, can I can I ask you just maybe wrapping up this conversation around independence? Sure. I think it's so important. One of the things that I've tried to 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 elevate is 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 uh, telling folks to declare their independence. The first step is get out of the parties. Stop giving them your family name. You know, yes, you like myself, I, I wasn't able to vote in the primary here in New York City that's going to determine our city council members a couple of weeks ago. I'm a war veteran. I'm a 9-11 first responder. And I can't vote in my primaries here in New York City, which I think is bullshit. I think it's un-American. And I think that that is a message that can uh, really, really resonate um, with the rest of rest of the country. But I would ask you, do you have a pitch to folks who are in the Senate right now uh, or, or who are public candidates or considering running as candidates? Can you make a pitch to them for why they shouldn't be in the two parties? And, you know, you, you framed yourself as an in, as a, a independent Democrat, right, which was a, a kind of a, a take on the brand. But now there's this new generation. Do you have a sales pitch for folks to to declare their independence? Yeah, well, I think the first thing, I'd, you know, it's hard to do. <laughs> uh, because the two parties control the nominating uh, process, um, except in states where they have these open primary laws where, like California, you put your name uh, and you run, let's say, for a nomination for the U.S. Senate, and it's oh, uh, everybody, all parties, uh, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, Libertarians, and again, I quote McCain, or Vegetarians, you always used to add the Vegetarians. Uh, the uh, you can run, and then the top two run it off. So that 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 opens it up a little bit. Otherwise, it's it's hard because you need to form your own party, which I did in two thousand six in Connecticut. You got to qualify for the ballot. Wasn't so hard in Connecticut, but it is in other states. And uh, then you got to raise uh, uh, the money to run. So two things. One is I'd say you ought to be an independent-minded Republican or Democrat if you're not going to leave the party. And remember that you get elected, as I always felt, by members of Republican, Democrat, and independent uh, parties, if I can uh, put it that way. you got an obligation. And regardless of who elected you, you're elected to serve the people of your district or state. And, and so don't go down there and just feel you got to walk the party line 100% like you're a robot. Second thing is to them, you know, whether they're independent-minded Republicans or Democrats or independents, uh, is just think about when you're done with your service in the Congress. You got elected, and now you're uh, ending your career. Do you want to look back and say, well, I played it safe. I did everything the party leaders wanted me to do. I got reelected two, three, four, five times. But honestly, what did I get done? And I think you want to be able to say, hey, I stood up and did what I thought was right for my country and for my uh, constituents. And okay, I wasn't always beloved in my party, but but uh, that's what I did. I say one final thing. If you, can, if you have the guts to run as an independent and you can do it, you can go over all the hurdles. Honestly, I think... Though it's counterintuitive, that is really what a majority of people in almost every section of America want. It's refreshing. And that's why almost 60% of the American people say they don't want Trump and Biden again, and they would be open to voting 
for a third-party bipartisan alternative. Now, that's for the black box. I get it. Uh, in the end, we got to tell them who's on a ticket, and it's got to be fresh and strong enough and different enough uh, for them to say, okay, I'm with you. This is much better uh, for the country. Well, I, I view this as, as a movement, and I've called it the independent movement, and it's going to take you know twists and turns, and it needs that structural reform on open primaries and ranked choice voting and, and, and redistricting, but it also needs leadership. And, and that, I think those leaders are starting to emerge. And you and I have worked together in the past. I hope we can work together again to support this new generation of independent leaders. They need your wisdom and your experience. You've had a tremendous life of service. Uh, and and I'm, I'm very grateful for it. I know many in this country are grateful for it, especially the example and the tone you've sent, uh, not just as a senator, but as a citizen, as a grandfather. Uh, and and I, I, I hope you understand when I say, you know, you're not done yet. We need more. <laughs> We're going to need you probably even more in the next 20 years than we have in the last because the stakes are high. Our national security continues to be at risk. And, and, and we're going to need your voice, sir. Hey, hey, thanks, Paul. It means a lot to me, and I take it to be a kind of order, <laughs> certainly, an, certainly an inspiration. Um, and I consider myself, uh, you know, blessed to be healthy enough and have the opportunities I do now through No Labels and some other uh, um, movements that I'm part of to continue to fight for the, for the improvement of our government. Yeah, uh, but I tell you what gives me a lot of, Hope is, is the next generation. You're about two or three generations behind me uh, coming on who are going to fight for this same uh, independent uh, kind of government that, that really puts the national interest first, as, as you did in your uh, military service. So God bless you. And uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. Let's keep in touch. And uh, who knows? Maybe we can make some big things and good things happen for America. Thank you, sir. I'd love to do that. You've generously offered to stick around for our Patreon members for a couple of quick questions there. Thanks to them for making Good. this possible. We've said, sir, America is not a party, it's a mission. And uh, we're all in this together. And I'm uh, proud to be standing by your side and look forward to finding ways to move this country, protect, defend, and improve this country. Uh, thank you so much for your time and your leadership. I hope you'll come back again. Until then, stay vigilant, sir. Amen. You too. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I think that was a pretty good one. I think that was an important conversation, and I hope you feel the same way. I urge you to go deeper. Go to nolabels.org, check out their plan, follow their communication, and decide for yourself. And I've decided long ago, I like Senator Joe Lieberman. I think he's a good person. He's a patriot. And even if he doesn't sell me on No Labels and their plan, I'm sold on him as someone who cares, someone who is reasonable, someone who is respectful, and someone who wants to help America. He's an iconic figure in the political history of our country. He's a brave man, and he is truly a helper. Always look for the helpers. There, were, there will always be helpers. 
you know, even just on the sidelines. If you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. Look for the helpers. They're out there. Use the hashtag look for the helpers and flag them for me. Let me know because the summer heat has already been crazy and lots of folks locally have stepped up to help. And the recent storms in New York and Vermont were even crazier, only surpassed by the heroism of the helpers, including one man that I know. And the New York Times had the story. My friend Pat Flynn was featured. Pat Flynn, a former mayor of Highland Falls, made it over in his Explorer with a friend worried for her mother. He saw older men and women, the ones who could stand, cowering in their doorways as water rose up their legs. Some were teetering out toward higher ground. Mr. Flynn hurried over to a man with a cane, put an arm around him. Strong currents rose above their knees and pulled at them. If these people lose their footing and fall, they're gone, he thought. He spoke with encouragement, and the older man gave it right back to him, shouting, Let's go! Let's go! We can do this! Come on! Mr. Flynn shuffled with him slowly to higher ground, then turned back. People were yelling, I have to get my grandmother out. More shouting, Hey, there's someone over here! Hey, there's someone over there! A high school senior had rushed from his mother's apartment and was helping neighbors cross the river. He ran to a woman named Miss Dagiev's apartment window, and he couldn't help her but tried to encourage her. She called her friend Lori Tottle, the county legislator, who was just moments away on Main Street in Highland Falls. Mrs. Tottle was calling around, trying to secure state aid for the entire village. And there may as well have been an ocean between them. You gotta get me out of here, Mrs. Dagiev shouted. I'm gonna die. Below, Mr. Flynn was trying to assist an immobilized older man with bandages around his shins and calves who wasn't cooperating. He wanted to stay. There's nowhere for me to go. He asked Mr. Flynn to find his medication on the other side of the room as the waters continued to rose. Firefighters from Highland Falls and nearby West Point arrived, and they found Miss Dagiev and her friend and spoke to them through their window. We're going to get you out, they said. And they did. No lives were lost at the Wyant Green Apartments in Highland Falls during the flooding. The apartments were terribly damaged by water and are going to be uninhabitable for months. But everyone got out safely. Mr. Flynn, besides being the former mayor, also drives an ambulance in the village. He was struck by the reaction to the crisis he saw on Sunday before the professionals could get to the scene. There was a sense of orderly calm, and Pat said, Hey, we're going to get to this guy. He needs help. That's my friend, Pat Flynn, a guy I've known for 30 years. He's always been a helper. I'm not at all surprised by hearing about all the heroism I'm hearing from my friend Pat and coming out of mighty little Highland Falls. When I say look for the helpers, look at Highland Falls and look at my friend Pat Flynn. And please keep sharing your stories and posting them when you're on social media. Also, play Guess the Guest every Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night throughout the summer, we're playing Guess the Guest. So go look on social media and give it a shot. Many of you have been playing. I don't know if any of you got Lieberman. We will find out next week, and I will tell you. But I do know that our friend Delfino Sanchez down in Houston, Texas, always plays the game. And last week, he said, Paul, I can't recall if this is a much-deserved week off from the pot or not. But he did say, number 229 with Luke Russert was incredible and full of the five eyes. I don't see a guess-to-guess -guess clue, but I'll look again next week. Any thoughts on the new Twitter rules? Stay frosty, my friend. Yes, sir. 
I do have some thoughts on new Twitter rules. They suck. They really do. Twitter continues to get worse, but I'm still on there. And I'm going over to Threads so you can find me there. And you can, of course, find me every Wednesday if you play Guest the Guest throughout the summer and at independentamericans.us, where I urge you this summer, throughout the summer, go there, check out this show, share it far and wide, watch video that we have for every episode, including this one. And you can also support this show by joining our Patreon community. Please consider chipping in and helping us keep this party going. Please consider chipping in and help us keep this mission moving forward all summer as we continue to bring light to contrast the heat. If you are one of those Patreon members, you are getting some extra special content with Senator Joe Lieberman, which is very fun. This is why I do this. You hear Joe Lieberman talk about his favorite drink and his amazing first car, what tunes he's digging. Spoiler alert, it's Frank Sinatra. And he gives a very clear and very partisan answer on pancakes versus waffles. But it's good stuff, and you can find it at independentamericans.us. You can also see all of our recent press hits, including my weekly hits on Deadline White House on MSNBC with Nicole Wallace. I'm over there weekly now, so check that out at our webpage and links in this show page. You can also check me out on News Nation with Marnie Hughes every Thursday in the 11 o'clock hour. And of course, hit me up on social media, subscribe, and do all those things. Do it all summer long. But also, get off social media. And get outside and enjoy the summer, especially the live music. That's what I've been doing. Heard you coming in the back door at 3 a.m. You spent the night in the hospital sitting next to your best So in the extra content, Senator Lieberman tells me that he loves Frank Sinatra. All blue eyes. And I do too. But I also love these guys. They're a great band out of Seattle called The Dip. They're what's called classic blue-eyed soul. Good soul music. Good rhythm and blues music. Which is one of the great American inventions. And I saw them last week outside in New York City by the water with my kids for free. And it was awesome. One great part about America in the summer is free outdoor music. It's out there all across this country. It's good like the dip. Rhythm and blues is the spirit of our independent movement. And the independent movement is the soul music of America. Because independence are the classics. And the classics are still the future. And more and more, groups are going to want us on their team and in their band. And we are not alone in our independence. It continues to grow and evolve and deepen. Because America is more divided than ever, but we at Independent Americans and Righteous Media are working to change that. And light to contrast all the summer heat of all those other political shows and all the other division. So if you're among the now 50% of Americans who are independent, this is your show. Especially those of you who are new here because you checked out Senator Lieberman. Maybe you're a Republican or a Democrat and you're not a diehard partisan. This is your show. If you're just a concerned American who cares about the future of your country, this is your show. You're all welcome here. I invite you to join us and be a part of the solution. And join our rhythm and blues band that is the hope for the future. 
Bringing country over party, people over politics, light over heat, just like George Washington talked about. Disrupting the status quo and fueling a new soulful movement that moves and grooves and takes us forward. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Senator Lieberman. And if you did, please share it far and wide. And hopefully later this summer, we'll have John Huntsman on and maybe Senator Joe Manchin and others on too from No Labels and folks from other organizations who want a piece of this independent movement, who want a piece of your independence. We'll see if they're really independent. We'll see if they can spin a tune that captures our souls as independents. Until then, please keep sharing this show with your friends, your coworkers, your family, and invite them to declare their independence. And then go on out and listen to some live music this summer. And stay vigilant, my friends, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And hope is the oxygen of democracy. It's the soul and rhythm and blues that brings us together and keeps us grooving through the summer heat, through the summer floods, and whatever comes next. So stay vigilant. And know you're not alone in your vigilance. We are all vigilant. And we're all in this together. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Down with Putin. Slava Ukraine. Stay vigilant, America. And happy summer. Media.